Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another edition of Bavarian Podcast World. This is I Need No Name, and I am joined by Samrin. We are recording this right after Germany just drew one all with Italy. And, well, Samrin, how are you feeling right after that game? Um, My first reaction is kind of to be positive about it. I really did think there was a flow about Germany until we got to the final third when there was no more flow about Germany. But this is, I guess, I'm just thinking back to the Joaquin Love days. And yes, this was Italy's BCD team. I don't even know at this point, but it was such a vast improvement on what we used to see under Love that it was encouraging that even when we went one nil down, even when Germany went one, one nil down, I kind of knew that there was a way back because this was a flick team. Yeah, that is a good point for me. I was just like kind of paralyzed with fear because to me, this seemed like a vision of what Bayern Munich could be like next season without Robert Lewandowski oh, as a striker. Agree, yes. Because yeah. just I was watching them play and Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané, they just looked helpless out there. Like they did not have any clue what the hell was going on. And then mm-hmm. you had Timo Werner and Thomas Muller doing their best. Like, I think they both did really well today. But mm-hmm. despite that, like, because of how Gnabry and, like, Gnabry and Sané were, and Sané was subbed off eventually. So mm-hmm. because of how they were, it's just, like, I don't know how this German attack is going to shape up now. Like, it's probably time for Havertz and... Moziala to probably be made starters, honestly. I think we could do that. And the, honestly, the team did look more effective when Hoffman came on, when Muziala came on and Havertz came on. But that being said, my dad was watching this with me and his remark right at the end was, this team is crying out for Lewandowski. And honestly, why don't we try an actual striker? Like, the who, options are not that... try? The like, options who, are not that many. available? Well, the first... Mo- First name that comes into my head is Lucas and Mecha over at Wolfsburg. Um, is he is he a Lucas proper striker? Felix? Is he isn't he like uh he's kind of more like Werner, isn't he? Like a second striker type person. Not really, because I've seen him. He can he can play the Werner role, but I've also seen him used as a pure striker by Wolfsburg. So he could be one option. That I'm curious about how um how Dortmund lines up next season and whether they use especially without Haaland and whether they get a pure striker from elsewhere or they convert one of their starters to a pure striker. So are so you talking about Adiemi? Yeah, I'm talking about Adiemi, but not just Adiemi. I mean, I also kind of want to see what they do with Mukoku. I don't think they're going to try him as a striker, but I remember Tersic giving it a shot. Mukoku is really, really young and he's playing for the youth teams right now for Germany. But I am still curious about how that will work out. So there's a few things here and there that can be tried. Also, Havertz is used as a pure striker by Chelsea from time to time. So like you said, maybe starting him more and giving him that role might work out as well. But I don't think Flick's vision works without a more pure striker. And today they're just like... they're. Basically, Germany doesn't even need a Lewandowski. A middle closer will do, but that's also not an option right now. So I don't know who there is to select from, but it might be worth it going through the Bundesliga and seeing who's available. And even if he's not like a 10 out of 10 striker, if he's scoring like 15 goals a season, give him a shot and see how it goes. Well, personally, I think that Germany's mm-hmm. attack should have 
Thomas Muller and Kai Havertz up top, like with Kai Havertz as striker, yeah. Muller behind him, and mm-hmm. then Muziala on the wing, and the other wing, anyone between Timo Werner, uh, Serge Gnabry, or Lira Sané, whoever's doing better, because all three of them have been uh, up and down for the last, what, three seasons or so? So any, whoever's, yeah. whoever's doing fine out of those three. And if Flick does that, I think Flick, it's, it's just been weird how Flick has decided to approach his attack for mm-hmm. Germany because he seems to refuse having Muller and Havertz on the pitch at the same time. He just doesn't want to yeah. do it. It's kind of yeah. weird. Like, why doesn't he do that? It seems like the most obvious configuration you could go with. And that's mm-hmm. the one that I want to see against England in midweek. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's the next game we have. And mm-hmm. I hope to see that because, like, I can't imagine anything better than having, like, Thomas Muller around doitering with Havertz on the end of mm-hmm. like the deliveries and stuff, and then linking up with guys like Muziala and Werner, both of whom mm-hmm. are like maybe not like Werner, for example, maybe not the best finisher, but everything mm-hmm. else Werner has, he's so good at it. So, like, why not do that? What what is holding Flick back from doing this? Why does he keep going with Sane and Gnabry? And it can't be like a loyalty mm-hmm. thing i don't i don't see that no. happening from flick so w- what is the vision here I, I i i'm i'm not just i'm just not sure about that i think one reason why i was very surprised by the way when he pulled muller for Havertz today because i thought he should have pulled warner at that time i, I don't remember if timo was yeah timo was definitely on the pitch at the time and i think timo was on the pitch the whole game actually but point being that i think his fear is that Havertz tends to also wander in spaces like Muller, and maybe he thinks there might be a problem with that, having like two round ish players, because Havertz used to be really good at finding spaces at his time in Leverkusen, and I don't watch that much of Chelsea, so I can't confirm that. But honestly, that may be what's playing on Flick's mind, but I also don't see what's stopping him from trying it, because these games are exactly about that, about trying. Like, nobody really cares if you win the Nations League. If you win it, yay, great. If you don't, okay, fine. You had a few games to experiment. So I really don't know either. And I don't, I'm also just a little, I, I, I think the pro, another problem is that Flick is being let down by the players on the pitch because Flick does tend to expect like 100% from all his players. And he's being let down by Sané and Gnabry so many times. I don't even know how Gnabry is demanding, I think, 19 million from Bayern at this point because these performances don't warrant it. Finishing was not great today. Yeah, that is probably a full topic that we're going to discuss a little bit later. But like, yeah, uh, a lot of the players did not really cover themselves in glory today. Like no. Kimmich himself as well. Like he yeah. was passing the ball. His passes were not that great. He did score. Mm-hmm. That was good for him. But set pieces, again, remains not an amazing strength of Horrible. his. Mm-hmm. And then there's Goretzka, those horrendous shots that he took and yeah i mean there yeah. was a one one time where uh, muller gave him a beautiful weighted ball and mm-hmm. he was like i think just in front of the keeper and all he had to do mm-hmm. was shoot and yeah. he just took so much time the entire italian yeah. defense got back and mm-hmm. I, I was just i was just ripping my hair out when i saw that and i don't know like based on this like ryan graben was just gonna be getting a lot of minutes next season for Bayern. Because, <laughs> wow i mean my goodness. But even then, the, these two weren't even the biggest problem. The biggest problem was 
the fullbacks. I keep complaining about the fullbacks literally yeah. every single time. Tilo Karen wasn't even the worst. Benjamin Hendricks, my God, <laughs> he was awful. Like, my yeah, goodness. This like, is pretty bad. As yeah. soon as Jonas Hoffman came on, Germany were like transformed. It was Italy, Italy, <laughs> Italy did not have a single attack down that right hand side after Jonas Hoffman came on. Like mm-hmm. it, it it almost got shut down. I think they had did have one attack, but mm-hmm. that was like very late in the game. Jonas Hoffman once and the thing about Hansi Flick's setup is that it relies mm-hmm. on the fullbacks to back up the midfield. Yeah. It's, it's not like it, it doesn't look like a 4-2-3-1 in offense. It looks like a 2-4-4 or mm-hmm. something like 2-4-4-1. So yeah. because of that, the midfield is a middle two. They rely on having good fullbacks to progress the ball and mm-hmm. also drop into midfield sometimes and help mm-hmm. control the game. And without that, the midfielders mm-hmm. look completely lost. And that's something that we saw today. Like when Italy got out of their shell after the first mm-hmm. 15 minutes of show, they started mm-hmm. to stamp their authority in the midfield and Kimmich and Goretzka were very much struggling, especially Kimmich because he was yeah. today, he was playing as a traditional DM between mm-hmm. the two centre-backs, which is yeah. something that we haven't seen him do in a very long yeah. time because that's not what Nagelton has by and do anymore. So mm-hmm. he did not seem as comfortable as we've seen him before, but he did seem to show off some of his usual qualities because I liked it better than when he is constantly marauding forward and playing like a box to box. I prefer TM Kimmich, honestly. Mm-hmm. And I think Me too. that Hansi's like structure makes mm-hmm. sense. Okay. It just it just makes complete sense. But the players on the pitch, they yeah. weren't up to snuff. And just putting in Hoffman made such a difference for Germany. Now just imagine if you took Kerr out and put in <laughs> David Raum. Okay. Just imagine yeah. you do that. I think mm-hmm. that fixes like 80% of Germany's problems. Then yeah. the remaining 20% is Sane and Gnabry. Take them mm-hmm. out, put in Havertz and Moziala. I think you fix mm-hmm. almost 95% of Germany's problems. At that point, what do you yeah. even have left? Like, I get that mm-hmm. Hansi is trying to try things out, but he it's about time he started taking the most obvious courses mm-hmm. of action. And I am like... There, there really isn't that much time left until the World Cup. Like just a few more games in the Nations League and then yeah. season starts and then World Cup is right upon us. So uh, how yeah. he can't really wait that much longer and he can't. That's true. And we saw what happened to Yogi Lo. He thought that he would have the entire group stage of the World Cup to experiment with. And instead of that, uh, mm-hmm. Germany got locked, knocked out before they could even figure out what was going on. So yeah, Flick can't let that happen to Germany this time. So Based on that, I think it's time that Blick went with whatever makes sense rather than what he wants to make sense. Mm-hmm. And he stops this weird loyalty he has to Tilo Kerr. <laughs> yeah. That I, I don't, yeah. I, I genuinely I don't get it either. Other than, yeah. other than the fact that Kerr was marginally responsible for Coman's goal in the Champions League final in 2020. <laughs> and this is his yeah. career payback for that. But other mm. than that, I cannot fathom why Carer keeps being played that too at left back, a position that he doesn't play mm-hmm. at club level mm-hmm. and he doesn't really do- offer anything. He was constantly getting bullied by the Italian wingers and fullbacks mm-hmm. today. And when he was going forward, he basically did not go forward, in fact. And that's why some people in the game thread, they were mm-hmm. uh, saying, isn't Carer playing as a centre-back? No, he wasn't playing as a centre-back. <laughs> it's, like, it's not like, it's not even like, I have a lot of things to say about Pavard's lack of attacking contribution, but mm-hmm. Pavard, I mean, Tilo Kerrer 
makes Pavard <laughs> look like I don't know. Steelo Karen makes Pavard look like Roberto Carlos. I it's yeah. not even it's not even close. And I I don't get it. Like Hansi Flick <laughs> makes so many sensible decisions, but these weird head scratches yeah. make me wonder yeah. like what was actually going on in this behind the scenes game between him and Brazo. And maybe he really did. Maybe he really was behind the signing of Bunasar because these things, <laughs> these things just like yeah. maybe he isn't that big of a talent evaluator, and he's just he's just really good at making a team click and play good pressing football, which we did mm-hmm. see today. I think Germany set up yeah. for winning the ball back. That was pretty that much was perfect. Good. Like that was mm-hmm. like Italy when they won the ball back. They mm-hmm. pretty much lost it almost instantaneously. And whenever they got forward, the offside mm-hmm. trap today was really good. Like, they were almost constantly offside. Mm-hmm. Like, and I don't yeah, think, like, aside impressive. from the goal that they did score, which mm-hmm. was um, a big brain fart from Tito Kerrer, uh, what can I <laughs> say? Uh, other than that goal, I don't think that... Italy really had any chances. Like people will say that they did hit the post, but even so, that was like a mm-hmm. shot well outside the box. And I think yeah. Neuer had it covered. Like even if it mm-hmm. hadn't hit the post, Neuer would have had it covered. So I don't mm-hmm. think Italy had many chances. And mm-hmm. based on that, it's just a decent performance, something that Germany can build on, but they need to start building on it soon. No more mm-hmm. of these half performances, half measures. Just mm-hmm. start going hard at trying to win games, take the game seriously and try to win. And for that, mm-hmm. put the best players on the pitch. No more carrying the players who are out of form, trying to play mm-hmm. in the form. No more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For the England game, I would prefer to see Jonas Hoffman start. Yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, David Rao. Yeah, yeah. And, and I would, you know, no more Sané or Gnabry if possible. Yeah. Not for this that is, game. This has implications for Bayern too, because like mm-hmm. these problems are going to be what Nagelsmann will face next season. But unlike mm-hmm. Hansi Flick, he can't just which Sané and Gnabry out, they, they are his main options. Like, yeah, he can mm-hmm. bring on Coman and Muziala, but that's it. And it's not like Coman is a amazing goal scorer himself. He's not like, <laughs> he's, he's not going to give us goals like Havertz does for Germany. Or, yeah. Um, so it, it, it's a little bit scary watching this Germany team because yeah. when you see these flaws, you can mm-hmm. easily see how they will translate to Bayern next season. And at, at least Bayern has yeah. fullbacks. At least we have fullbacks who are much yeah. better. And I think that's going to make the difference for Bayern. But mm-hmm. I think that a lot of these flaws will be something that we will have to figure out. And we won't have Flick's luxury of just switching the players out. We won't have that. I actually think it's the other way around. I don't think it's so much that um, that Germany, that we, Bayern have to deal with Germany's problems. I think Bayern might have caused some of Germany's problems. Yeah, that's, I think yeah. the drop in form of Goretzka, who was hitting, who was getting those shots on target nine times out of 10 and no longer getting them on target and just wildly missing. And Kimmich's like lack of confidence in some tight situations. Kimmich was never the most press resistant player, but he's even less press resistant now. And the, the drop in confidence of Sané and Gnabry. Sané's always had a pretty rough time at Bayern. I'll give him that. So it's partially that's Bayern's headaches that have come into the Nationals. So what Flake had before was 100% confidence in these guys. And now all of a sudden he has to fix these guys and get Germany going. Yeah, and they are his backbone. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Not, it's not easy. And um, well, he, he just has to figure something out. And hopefully mm-hmm. he figures something out because... 
I'm hoping that if Germany can do well, then that'll have a positive impact on Bayern as well. Like they'll take their, if the Bayern players do well for Germany, they'll take that form back to with them to their club level and mm-hmm. maybe use that to, I don't know, maybe use that to play better because we really need them to play better. And mm-hmm. obviously part, part of it is on Nagelsmann as well. He needs to motivate his squad better because honestly, mm-hmm. um, today's the team structure that I saw from Germany today just mm-hmm. leaving out the individual performances, just looking at the team structure as a whole, mm-hmm. it was better than anything we've seen from Nagelsmann this season. Yeah. yeah. The individual performances, not that great. I mm-hmm. think Bayern has better individual players in Germany at mm-hmm. almost every position. And the places where we don't have better individual players is because those players are our Bayern starters as well. So mm-hmm. that is just how it is. And I think that, how, how do I say it? it it's going to sound very dumb, but... I think mm-hmm. that Flick has Germany in a better place than Nagelsmann has Bayern right now. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, like some of what's going, Flick is doing with Germany will rub mm-hmm. off on Nagelsmann's Bayern. And <laughs> we can see, we can see some kind of a Bayern renaissance from that. Or, 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 sure. just Nagelsmann, or, or Nagelsmann sure. can just watch these games on TV and be like, okay, maybe I should just do that. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm Nagelsmann. It's been a long season, and afterwards, I feel even less good about Nagelsmann than I did during the season for whatever reason. I'm not quite sure why. I think I've been reflecting, and lately it just feels worse than what it actually felt like at the end of it. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, so now that we have finished whining about Germany's problems, let's (laughs) move on to some Bayern Munich-related problems. And pretty much the only Bayern Munich-related problem we can find right now is the problem of our contract extensions and the big problem which we technically alluded to in the earlier part of this podcast is Mm -hmm. that Serge Gnabry he is not playing well at all at the moment Mm -hmm. and he has not yet accepted the 19 million a year contract extension that we have offered him first of Mm -hmm. all I just need to say this I cannot (laughs) believe that Bayern Munich offered him 19 million a year I don't understand what the hell are they thinking? Yeah. And second, I can't believe Gnabry hasn't accepted it. Like, if I were him, I would sign that contract immediately because that is the like best yesterday. he's going to get. Like, what, what is going on with these guys? Like, it is... Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just don't know what's going on. First of all, it is mm-hmm. almost 3 a.m. here and my brain mm-hmm. is very close <laughs> to shutting down. So, Samarin, you give me your take and mm-hmm. I'll try and see if it makes sense. Okay, so it's 5.20 for me, so I'm thinking pretty clearly. And to for me, it is unreasonable. So for the first thing I want to say is both Sané and Gnabry, they play like diamonds in the rough. You know, like when young players first come through and you're like, there's so much talent, but they need to be polished and all of that. That's what they play like, except they're both pros. They have been professional for a while. They've played in... Not Sané, but Gnabry has played in Champions League finals and whatnot. And it is just very hard for me to understand how based on those types of performances with lackluster finishing and dips in forms whenever they feel like they can demand that kind of money. Gnabry not accepting 19 million. Who is going to pay him 19 million? He could go to the Premier League and nobody's going to pay him 19 million. Just on the basis of his performances, he does not deserve it. If replace Gnabry for replace Coman for Gnabry and maybe Gnabry was the one who scored the winner in the Champions League final. 
even then it would be a hard argument to make. How Bayern offered him 19 million after playing cat and mouse with Lewandowski, I do not understand. Lewandowski is a guy who scores like 50,000 goals for us every season. Gnabry scores when he feels like it. And offering Gnabry that kind of money is not a great move on Bayern's part either. Why Gnabry has not signed is beyond me. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing that he has not signed because if this goes on for another year, it might just be worth it to empty up a spot on the team. While again, we would lose a player for free, which would not be a great look. And we have been losing a lot of money like this. I just, I don't know. At this point, Byron may just look into selling him as well and just cashing in on him right now. Because first of all, like, I think Byron will honestly be operating at a loss if they go for, I mean, metaphorically speaking, if they go for 19 million for Gnabry, because the return won't be that great. He has not ever really shown the consistency, maybe except for that trouble, for that sextuple winning season, sextuple winning season that, he can be consistent enough and produce consistently season. So for me, uh, I'd rather sell at this point because this is annoying. That's simply how I look at it. It is ridiculous and it is annoying. So people who follow us normally on this podcast, there's probably quite a few of you at this point. You must know by now that I had said that it's time to sell Gnabry about two months, when the, we still had like two months <laughs> left in the season. And yeah. now it's looking like... Like, uh, I was well ahead of the curve because um, I, I don't get it. Like, what is going on with him? No matter what he does, no matter what kind of system he plays in, no matter what his environment is, he just can't seem to get it right. Today, against mm-hmm. Italy, he was making such boneheaded mistakes. Just like just send, sending the ball out of play when there was no one there. Like, just, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's like the time, remember when Renato Sanchez passed to yeah. a logo and everyone laughed at them on the internet for three weeks. Uh, it's like wow. that. But, in this, but this time it's it's like Gnabry passed to the sideboard and there was nothing even there. There wasn't even a yeah. flash of white. So it's like he's just totally out of it mentally. And mm-hmm. the fact that he hasn't signed his contract for 19 million tells me that he's totally out of it mentally, <laughs> even in the professional sense, because why the oh contract that Brian has offered him it's basically free money. Like, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you accept that? I don't know why Bayern's offered him this contract. I, I would never, ever offer Gnabry a contract like that. And the fact mm-hmm. that Sane makes almost as much is not an argument because Sane is overpaid and we do not want to make a pattern of overplaying mm-hmm. underperforming players. Mm-hmm. And, like, it's just another case of me questioning whether the board really knows what it's doing and how yeah. the board keeps getting lucky that some of their successes are because the players themselves went out of their way to keep mm-hmm. them from being huge failures. Like Thomas Muller's contract extension where Muller made it easy for them. He could have easily leveraged his position as, um, you know, a big a big figure in both the dressing room and among the fans to maybe mm-hmm. go for a two-year contract extension like you wanted yeah. and fight the board on that. But instead, he just settled for what he was being given. And mm-hmm. when it seems like when the board don't encounter that kind of, let's say, compliant player, they, they mm-hmm. don't seem to have a plan in place to deal yeah. with it. And with Gnabry and Lewandowski, we are seeing the combination of these tactics. And the other thing I need to say is that why does Gnabry hate Bayern this much? Like, why does he think that yeah. 
turning down 90 million a year might be worth it for him. Like he must know that he's not going to get that much money elsewhere. Like I know that footballers tend to really value themselves. Like they tend to have egos and you can't get to where these guys are professionally without Mm -hmm. having a high opinion of yourself and your talent. But Mm -hmm. even so Gnabry must no, someone must have told him by now that this is the best deal he's ever going to get. And he's mm-hmm. already at Bayern where all his friends are. Goretzka and Kimmich keep on saying in the media they want Gnabry to stay. And mm-hmm. everyone says that he is a good figure in the dressing room. Even Bild says that he's well-liked by the mm-hmm. club and they want him to stay. And even then, Gnabry seems to be on the fence for this. So either he has completely different ambitions like there was a report that he could have gone back to Arsenal this summer. <laughs> Sorry. If, yeah, if, yeah. If Arsenal had managed to make the Champions League, which did not happen for obvious reasons that anyone could have told him. And honestly, yeah. if he thought that Arsenal was going to make the Champions League, maybe he is more deluded than we realize. Mm-hmm. But, then again, but then again, that would make him Arsenal quality. So um, Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, so yeah. I, I don't... like. Is it that Gnabry thinks he's done with Bayern? Like, does he think that he's completed whatever goals he had here and he wants to leave? And I think this is something that a lot of our players seem to, like, seem to be considering now. Like, mm-hmm. even for Lewandowski, I think Lewandowski, if he still had the ambition of maybe winning a treble or maybe winning sextuple here, he would still be here. Like, he would still want to be here. He wouldn't be looking at Barcelona. But because of that sextuple mm-hmm. in... 2020, he feels like he's completed whatever he could have achieved at Bayern. And now he can go elsewhere and start anew and his Bayern chapter mm-hmm. is complete. And that goes for a lot of other players. Same thing goes, I think, for Alaba. Same thing, I think, mm-hmm. for Sul. They don't have the pressure of securing future legacies for them because effectively mm-hmm. a lot of them have completed football. Like they've won whatever they could. And because mm-hmm. of that, we are having mm-hmm. even an even tougher time of mm-hmm. keeping... Uh, of holding on to these guys because back in the day I used to remember Vine keeping guys with not just with the promise of good money we we did pay competitive salaries but we also kept them on with the promise of more success like we offered them success in the Champions League success in the Bundesliga but a lot of Mm -hmm. these guys have now won more Bundesliga than almost anyone else will ever win and a lot Mm -hmm. of these guys have now won a sextuple they have basically completed everything they ever wanted to do and they can't do anymore. And so once you've hit the sky, where do you go from there? Maybe you just decide to start over. And if you don't want to start over, you tell fine, if you want to keep me, then you just Mm -hmm. have to pay above market value. Otherwise Mm -hmm. I just leave. So Mm -hmm. I think that's an underrated aspect of why Vine has been finding it so difficult to get any of these contract extensions done lately. And it's something Mm -hmm. that I don't really see it discussed. You know, I don't think, I think there's something to it. There might be. But also, this doesn't seem to be a problem with Real Madrid. It's literally the same core of players who have won again and again and again. And the other things I would say is it's different in all three situations. Because Lewandowski, Champions League, no Champions League, competitive wins, no competition, whatever. He has wanted to go to Spain for years. And I think it was RLD who mentioned um, in one of our pieces that the emotion thing may be just something Lewandowski is playing on to get away. And there may be some truth to that. That's the first thing. I don't think Lewandowski's ever loved Bayern or really any club that he's been at. And I think he has a real love affair with Spain. So there, there may be something to that. So the other two, I'll say really quickly, for Zule, he was not a guaranteed starter for next season. 
that may have led him to. Ginabri, well, I don't know. This is one, I have no idea what's going on. And Alaba and Tiago? Alaba was at the club for 15 years. It, it, I can totally see him wanting to seek a new challenge. No, not 15 years, 12 years. I think he started at 16, left at 27, uh, 11 years. So I can see him wanting to get a move on and get a new challenge. Tiago is a more confusing one for me, but Tiago had kind of decided before we won everything. Yeah, but back then when Tiago was making his decision, he mm-hmm. like pretty much the writing was on the wall. We were slapping teams left and right. It seemed like we were the, <laughs> we were the favorites for the Champions League at the time. And Tiago did That's not con- confirm his departure until after the Champions League final. And unlike mm-hmm. Lewandowski and unlike Sadio Mane, he never said anything publicly about mm-hmm. his departure. He kept it quiet so that mm-hmm. we could negotiate quietly with Liverpool and get 30 million wanted. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the example of an amicable departure for him. Mm-hmm. And maybe if we had not won the Champions League that season, maybe Thiago would have mm-hmm. decided, okay, I will just take up the contract extension and stay longer because I have unfinished business. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's all speculation, but we can mm-hmm. only speculate about what is going on behind the scenes at Bayern Munich. But this Gnabry thing, mm-hmm. it's really intriguing to me because Gnabry genuinely seems to feel that he's been disrespected by the Bayern Munich board and he's not the only mm-hmm. one. And mm-hmm. at this point, we can't ignore the pattern that... Oh, yeah, 100%. And mm-hmm. alternative thing is, I don't know what else the board could have done, at least with regard to Gnabry. I think Gnabry's yeah. situation has been handled as well as we could because it is a mm-hmm. delicate situation. He has not performed. I mean, it's not even like he's underperformed under Nagelsmann. He wasn't performing well last season under, under Flick, Flick either. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and he's not performing for Germany either. So mm-hmm. what do you expect? Did he expect the board to legitimately offer him the same contract that we offered Kingsley Coman? Did he expect that? Did he expect it outright? Mm-hmm. I, he couldn't have. So what yeah. is why is he putting Bayern in this position? And it's not the same as Lewandowski case where mm-hmm. Lewandowski has been performing. He has done yeah. everything on everything his end can. and Bayern yeah. is the one that dropped the ball. On yeah. In this case, Gnabry was approached by Bayern well in advance. Negotiations with Gnabry have been going on for a very long time now. It, it's mm-hmm. not like with Lewandowski where we started negotiations in May. We've been Mm -hmm. talking to Gnabry for a really long time and Gnabry knew our position and he Mm -hmm. knew that he needed to perform better so that he could convince the team to keep him on. And he he has the evidence that even without those performances, we have given him an offer, which is well above what he's worth. And I can't Mm -hmm. think of a bigger vote of confidence in the player than that. And Mm -hmm. he still does not want to stay. So like, I can't like in mm. any logical sense, like either something's completely wrong in the mm-hmm. media reports, which is totally plausible. Like yeah. I don't rule that out. Mm-hmm. Either something is completely wrong or mm-hmm. Gnabry is just like, he, he's going through something um, like on a professional level that mm-hmm. just, you, you can't explain from the outside looking in. It's just his own personal thing that he needs to figure out at this point. Conversely, just going back to your point about players thinking they've completed everything. Do you think players are heading out, aside from Alaba and Thiago, um, that players are heading out because they feel like Bayern will not be competitive enough to win another Champions League under Julian Nagelsmann? I don't think Julian Nagelsmann is a factor in this uh, mm-hmm. because a coach can always be fired and it doesn't take much to do For that. Sure. Okay, so mm-hmm. I think, and the thing about this is there is also the fact that 
certain players who value long-term competitiveness over everything else. You also mm-hmm. Kimmich and Leon Goretzka. They decided they that extended. yes, they they want to mm-hmm. be at Bayern for uh, another chunk of their careers, the most important mm-hmm. part of their careers from twenty six to thirty. So mm-hmm. I think based on that, there is a consensus within the club that this is the place where they want to be to win trophies. But mm-hmm. I think because of how the treble was won. Mm-hmm. For a lot of these guys, the value of those trophies was diminished and the value of mm-hmm. subsequent trophies becomes diminished. So mm-hmm. instead they decide, okay, maybe I can start looking for a new challenge elsewhere. I mm-hmm. can go to the Premier League with all its glitz, all its glamour, or mm-hmm. I can go mm-hmm. to Real Madrid where I mm-hmm. can play in Spain and I can play for the biggest club in the world. You mentioned mm-hmm. that how did Real Madrid keep hang on to all of their players, but they didn't hang on mm-hmm. to everyone. Like a lot of the players have left over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still have Cruz, Modric, and Casemiro, and they but they let Benzema. go. They, mm-hmm. Yeah, Benzema and, and Benzema as well. But this year they have so many young players like Vinicius. They have mm-hmm. Alaba from outside. They have mm-hmm. Courtois, who did, was not mm-hmm. part of the Champions League winning campaigns. They mm-hmm. they have they have undergone Vasquez too, Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah those guys were there in mm-hmm. their old campaigns. Like they have the mix, and they have let go of a lot of players over the years. Mm-hmm. It's not like they they managed to hang on to everyone regardless. And how should I say well, it? It was like, like think mm-hmm. about Ronaldo or Ramos. Ramos demanded a lot right. to stay at Real Madrid. Same thing mm-hmm. goes for Ronaldo. Ronaldo wanted to continue being the main man and Real right. put their foot down. And it did hurt Real Madrid in their short term. They said yeah. after selling Ronaldo, they went out in the round of 16 two years in a row. Yeah. People kind of tend to forget that like mm-hmm. when they talk about Real's recent success in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. So based on that, I think that, yes, a lot of success in a short amount of time does lead to, you know, a little bit of success fatigue for certain mm-hmm. players. And they decide, mm-hmm. okay, maybe it's time for a reset. And mm-hmm. you need, you you have to, and the only players who don't decide that way are those guys who are very comfortable in their environment here at Bayern. And those are the guys like Thomas Muller, like Manonor, like... Yeah. Um, Gretzka, those guys, mm-hmm. they not only see Bayern as a long-term place for their con- careers in Germany, but also mm-hmm. for the national team. And that's why they are sticking around. And when instead, when you have guys like Lewandowski who don't have that incentive and mm-hmm. have other incentives also pushing them to leave, like the financial one, mm-hmm. they decide to leave. This does not apply yeah. to Serge Gnabry, obviously. I exactly. Mean, if anything, he should be part of that. Yeah, if every every single logical and illogical reason yeah. points to Gnabry staying. Like yeah. I cannot think Me of too. any reason for him to leave. And I, I will I, even if I could, if even if he was sit sat in front of me right now, I'd ask him, and I don't know if he could tell me a reason why he wants to leave. I don't even yeah. know if he's talked to any clubs. He's not been linked with anyone yep. other than that r- rumor about him wanting to go to Arsenal. Go but back to Arsenal, you, yeah. you, you follow Arsenal rumors. You tell me, are mm-hmm. there any rumors of Arsenal wanting to get him back? Frankly, Arsenal is linked. You have to understand that's the English media. So Arsenal yeah. is linked with everybody, with Corentin Tolisso. With Wait, what? Gnabry, yeah, yeah. I heard a, a rumor today, and I, I don't know how much of it I can verify, but apparently they've been linked with Toliso, 
this is this is coming from my dad who gets his Arsenal news somewhere else than I do. Then there's Gnabry. Then there was um, another player. I can't remember his name. Oh, with, uh, I think, Luka Jovic. So Arsenal's linked with everybody, left, right, and center. They're not going to get any of these guys. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, the thing about Gnabry is that, like, wh- why why did it come to this? And now Bayern Munich, you need to figure out some way mm-hmm. to sell him before he mm-hmm. decides to accept, either accept that contract or like just decide to run down his contract and leave for free because now is the time he's worth what after last night's performance i wouldn't even say that he's worth 10 million but uh, like yeah we fool someone into thinking that he's worth around <laughs> 25 to 30 million and then sell him and that would cover our transfer yeah. almost all of our transfer fee for someone like sadio mane who yeah. would be excellent for us like yeah so you think inter milan might buy him now that parisish no. has left <laughs> Why would, first of all, why would even if they would buy him, why would he go yeah. to Syria? Other than other than the uh, he doesn't have any options. He doesn't ha- seem to have any options. I, I struggle to think that like I struggle to think that Gnabry wouldn't have options if he decided to leave. You know, like he Maybe has been one club. To, he's linked to, to Real Madrid, and Real Madrid don't need him. You and I both know that. If he went to Real Madrid, he'd be sat on the bench. Like Aiden Hazard. Yeah, but, but players like to sit on the bench at Real Madrid. That's apparently that's they do. They, whoa, what just happened? Sorry, something fell on my end. Go on. Yeah, you can see how Samarin, how much Samarin hates Real Madrid. So, <laughs> okay. So, um, mere mention. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's kind of the thing. Like, I don't understand about anything about this Gnabry thing. And the fact that it is past 3 a.m. means that it's even worse for me because. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm barely articulate at this point. Like Samarin, do you think you can do the outro because we are out of time and I really need to go to bed? All right, let's do the outro on this very somber note about Gnabry's transfer. Um, as always, we love your feedback and appreciate all the support. Be sure to stay tuned to Bavarian Podcast Works for all of your up-to-date coverage in Bayern Munich and Germany. Follow us on Twitter at Bavarian FB Works at the Barrel Blog at Tommy Adam seventy one at BFWN. And uh, at Jefferson Fenner and more. This has been in and Samarin discussing Germany's okay, but kind of lackluster performance against Italy and Serge Gnabry's bizarre contract situation. And do you have anything else to add? Uh, no, I'm just very sleepy. So forgive me if I sounded a little bit disjointed tonight. <laughs> That's just how it is when you're recording at 3 a.m. So uh, good night, everyone. Thanks for listening. All right. Take care, everyone.